Hello, welcome to Good Job, where we interview inspiring people from the music industry. We follow their journey from their very worst job to present day and find out what makes them them. That beautiful roar is by Harish Sivarama Krishnan from Agam. Now, I came across him at first when someone asked me to react to him on my channel, and he wowed me with this beautiful, intricate ornamentation and a lovely tone. And then I did a little bit of research into him, and I found that he had done some TED Talks, and I loved his philosophy on life. I am a believer in sticking around hanging in there and making sure that you're doing the right set of things and not egoistically doing things that you think are right. There's a subtle difference. In this episode, we chat about finding balance between viability and creativity when creating music, how he combined prog rock and South Indian classical music, and the pros and cons of introspection. All right, so we start the podcast the same way every time. What was your very worst job? Doing sales. I was quick enough to understand that maybe while I could do sales, it's not something that I'm enjoying in the true sense of having to do that as a day job. And I could do anything. I'm, I'm somebody that is happy to do whatever that pays, but uh, sales is something that I just thought I should not. Uh, try doing again if I had a choice. So yeah, it being being a salesman wasn't fun. What part in your life was that, and could you imagine where you are now? So the first time I did it because it was my job, and I was learning, and I I was just learning the ropes of uh, what it means to do software sales. It was fun at that point in time because you're learning and you're understanding what is the uh, the rules of engagement and how do you go about it and 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 what success means to you. I don't mind that time too much, but uh, the second and third stints that I had kind of were more stressful and, and probably there were higher degree of expectations from me because I was not doing it for the first time. Uh, in retrospect, uh, Beth, to be honest, I do not think where I could be at any point in time in my life. So I, when I retrospect, I just realized I didn't have a plan. I just did what I had to do because like, you know, uh, it's an interesting uh, I had a pretty interesting growing up in this country and I have done a whole variety of things, connected, unconnected. Let's go back to the beginning. How did your interest in music start? Both my parents kind of got me into this. My mom and dad, I think, uh, like, my dad is a musician. My grandfather from my dad's side, he was a musician himself. And, and I have a whole bunch of people who were traditional South Indian classical musicians in my my family and my mom on the other hand was very persistent and, and very uh, very sure that she had to get me uh, into some form of art early in my life so I was I was started with lessons pretty early I started lessons at the age of four and a half uh, or maybe five I don't remember like very very early when I probably did not know uh, what this could all mean or uh, what is it that I'm learning uh, that's how it started but in retrospect I'm super grateful it's a pretty early age to start and it helps you uh, learn your art in a way that it puts you at a place of real comfort when you're slightly older so that's how it started I have been practicing from then 
And I, I formally took lessons until the age of 24, maybe 25, till, till that point, about 21 years. I was fairly regular in taking lessons and learning it. And, and once I started working, that's when I had to find other ways. And of course, then YouTube happened and then you have a lot of other ways to learn right now. So as a vocal coach, I'm obviously really aware of what happens in a singing lesson within uh, Western styles. But what happens within a singing lesson in South Indian lessons? What would be like a general lesson? And what things would you be looking for in a voice? So we have two large classical music styles in, in the Indian subcontinental region, which includes India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, if you consider that one belt. We have two styles of classical music. One is the the North Indian classical music uh, and the South Indian classical music. The North Indian classical music is a little more closer to the Western style of learning, which is very pitch-oriented. It is, it's more driven by your ability to hold a note. It's about note clarity and precision and, and hitting your note right and, and also the training is far more staccato because it's taught on a, a harmonium. While South Indian class, classical music is a little more lyrical and far more structured. So the training uh, in South Indian classical music, Carnatic as we call it, uh, is more compositional in nature. You learn songs and the way you learn your art is by the medium of these compositions that are pre-created. That way these are very fixed structure compositions that you learn. And through the years after you learn these compositions, your imagination sort of grows and you start applying improvisations and, and your uh, ornamentation around those compositions starts slowly evolving. So the good part is that it's a very rigorous, highly disciplined training methodology that you have in South Indian classical music. The downsides, if you may, the focus on dynamics is low. The focus on, on precision of pitching is, is comparatively lesser. And the focus on vocal delivery itself is, is not as great as probably the Western or the, the North Indian classical musical styles, where uh, a lot of focus is given to your use of your voice box to actually emote. So here it's a pretty... A rigid structured musical structure where your ability to deliver to the writing uh, is far more important than uh, the nuances of how you're using your voice to emote. But uh, honestly, through the years, Carnatic music has evolved so much and all the modern practitioners of the art, when I say modern people from the last 100 years, have imbibed uh, musical constructs from the Western classical music and other forms of music. So we have gotten a lot uh, different than the, what the pedagogy kind of taught us. So a standard lesson is learning these exercises and learning a composition. So you learn a few exercises, apply them, learn a few more, and you learn scales and modes, of course, like we call them ragas in, in our system. So, And you combine South Indian music with prog rock, which are yeah. really different different genres. How did that come about and how did you find that at first? I got to be honest here. It's like uh, an absolute chance accident. I don't think it was premeditated. I think if I remember, I was like probably 19. That's when like two to three bands happened to my life. And those bands have had <laughs> a profound impact on me as a musician. They continue to have. The first band that happened to me was Rush, very quickly followed by Dream Theater. Uh, and somewhere through the line, uh, Iron Maiden. And uh, a little later through my life, bands like Snarky Puppy, Opeth, Tool, a lot of them happened like at different phases in my life, but a profound influence has been Dream Theater. So I, I lived on 
Dream Theater records for probably three years in a row. Like I was just listening to them, writing them down. I was breaking down parts, renotating them, learning them in a way that I could sing them. So uh, progressive metal music just became a part of my my musical vocabulary because I was so deeply uh, inspired by uh, the way they wrote their music, both Russian and Dream Theater for that matter. Uh, at that point in time, uh, what they were doing was quite extraordinary they're still pretty extraordinary but it uh it, it really hit me at that point in time it kind of stayed at the back of my mind i guess and uh when i started writing my own music i met my friends uh, praveen that plays guitar with me and swami who plays keyboards uh in my band uh <laughs> interestingly they had pretty similar musical taste uh they're from a different era like Praveen is a lot younger to me it's almost like 10 years younger to me Swami's like eight years older to me but uh, we three kind of hit it off in a way that we had very similar musical interests and uh, the last one is Carnatic music has a lot of constructs that progressive rock music uses like polyrhythms uh, like you know uh, pitch and modal shifts like mixed meter. Uh, these are things that we have as constructs in Carnatic music. So I was fascinated. Wow, two really different styles of music, uh, which probably originated from two different parts of the world, have so much commonality. So we started doing the commonalities together to try and see if it could produce a new sound. Uh, truth be said, nine on 10 of them didn't make sense because you require a certain degree of understanding to to combine those styles but that one on ten did make sense that's how my band was formed like okay so you, if you if you tried really hard you can make one on ten really work so that's the journey and through the years i think our understanding has improved on both the styles of music because that's how you age yourself as a musician for me the hardest part has been to learn progressive rock music deeply which I'm continuing to learn. I don't think I know everything and have all the answers. Same thing with Indian classical music. I'm trying to learn both of them deeply. And uh, with that learning comes some innate understanding of these two styles and how you can bring them together in, in organic, uh, well-melded ways. And that's what I'm trying to do with my band and with, with the art that we create. Uh, the challenge has been to invest that time because that's painstaking. It's not... It's not natural because we always want to create. We don't have the, the patience to sometimes just go in, like shut yourself up in the studio and think and understand. So that has been my learning best. And your initial training was in engineering, which is really far away from music. And you have gone back and forth between engineering and music. Tell us a little bit about that journey. Uh, there's a joke that in South India, most of the men actually turn out to be either engineers or doctors because we don't know better. And if you don't become that, you probably become a lawyer. And, and then there is a downward pecking order of, and, and musicians somehow does not feature uh, pretty high in that list for anybody who's growing up in a middle class household in India. So I studied engineering because I didn't know better. Uh, I wouldn't think that I was like, good at it or I had great aptitude to engineering or like this is what I wanted to do uh, you know till today I don't think uh, that's how I looked at my education at all I was just told that maybe this is a good thing and and it gets you jobs and it's like good it gives you stability that's how I ended up doing engineering and and uh, truth be said it quickly turned out that I was not great at it uh, so I turned out to be the the regular guy at an engineering school just trying pretty hard to make the C's and at best B's and the regular grades and trying to uh, keep the degree 
undergraduate degree going. So that's what happened at my engineering. But then the good part is uh, I started working in the software industry. That's also a chance accident because uh, uh, that was the kind of time that I graduated. Uh, surprisingly for me, I like that bit of my life really well. So I turned out to be a good engineer from a from a computer's standpoint. And I have built most of my career doing that. And I still enjoy doing that. I still work. A lot of people don't know that I'm not a full-time musician still. I still work. And and I enjoy that side of my, my life, which is more due to the fact that I ended up in that industry and started learning the ropes and, and became a person that's conditioned to work there. So uh, I have always been a musician. I was trained in music. My dad is a musician. My family had a whole bunch of musicians. So I have stayed a musician all the time, but it never really appeared to be a career that you can pursue. Truth be said, even today, it's a little bit of a, uh, it's a little steep to think that you could build a career out of being an independent musician in India. And how much of that, is choice and how much of that is because that is required of musicians? <laughs> I like certain aspects of being in, in a job like what I have. Uh, one of that is the perceived sense of financial stability. Uh, it, it's a myth. In reality, uh, nothing is really stable and you don't really know what tomorrow is going to be like. But there is a certain degree of perceived uh, stability and and predictability that comes from being in a job versus being a full-time musician. I think my creativity is heavily dependent on my state of mind of being uh, secure, feeling stable, uh, feeling at peace with my mind. And through the years, I've just learned that if my mind is not at the right place, I find it really hard to make music. So for me, uh, my ability to to pursue art or make music is, a, is, is hugely dependent on uh, whether the the bank account is ringing on the first day of the month, so I'm, I'm sort of wired like that. So you you could call that compulsion, but for me, uh, it's a good balance that I have that I don't pay my bills necessarily with the art that I create, uh, which sort of gives me uh, the ability to say no, which I think is a huge privilege for an artist. But if you're like really making money out of your art, uh, oftentimes you're not you don't have the liberty or privilege to say no to a lot of things. I do because I don't. Uh, you know, my, my life and my family doesn't depend on my earnings as an artist. Uh, so that gives me a lot of power, if you may, uh, to create uh, art the way I like. I've seen that you are a big advocate for multitasking. And I'm sure a lot of people uh, expect musicians just to work on music. And I find that really, really interesting about you, that you you're quite happy to do lots of different things and actually say it's a good thing. So what are your thoughts on that? I am a creative person, but I also sort of introspect and self-evaluate how am I doing as a creative person every passing day? Like you, know, you wake up uh, a Monday morning and you're wondering like, you know, what am I doing today? Am I writing a song? Am I making a new tune or am I practicing? Or is it something that I'm listening to? Every day is is different and it brings you a different perspective. So sometimes I just realize in a 30-day month, maybe it's about nine, 10 days that I'm really uh, doing justice to my existence as an artist and the remaining 20 days is either unproductive or I'm actually good at things that are not art on those days. Like for instance, like, you know, I could, I could just really do up my house 
like you know and and not really get into the studio on a on a non creative day like and you know, i just know you wake up in the morning you know right actually it's going to be a great day because you're brimming with ideas and you just want to hit the studio and and do some stuff do some recordings and you know that day is going to be great some days you definitely know by like 10 am that hey look it's not working out today i think the mind is not working right so i just think that it is a little bit of a stretch for a person like me to do only one thing so it's it's less multitasking more about looking at the different things that you can do as a human being i think every living person has more than one ability sometimes more than two sometimes more than five mm-hmm. uh, it's sometimes uh, we all fall into the fixation that there's only one thing that we can do really well and we kind of overtly focus on that one thing and frustration mounts because you know that you have invested it's not paying off it's not working the the, the work that you created is not really transcending the kind of quality that you want to push forward so i'm just trying to keep myself occupied on two to three different things that i think i can do uh, so that my overall satisfaction as an individual on a particular day is is higher than being frustrated about not able to do something that i signed up for because that day turned out to be a not so good day do you think the skills that you've learned from engineering and and your other work do you think and music do you think they help each other in any way to me yes every analytical logical science kind of brings a certain degree of discipline in you uh, it it brings out the inquisitiveness or truth seeking if you may uh, because engineering is a very empirical science uh you cannot say that i felt so because most of the science requires you to find reasons as to why you feel a particular way uh so that's something which i learned being an engineer working in the uh, engineering trade for so long that you need to sometimes ask the right questions and some degree of truth searching uh which helps me bring that discipline into my creative process and uh, the the second one is i have built in soul startups uh in my life and one thing that i learned from running a company or like doing something which is intrinsically like running a business it teaches you how to leverage your art how to take it to people and how to keep it viable sometimes uh like you know, art can be a very selfishly self fulfilling pursuit for a lot of people like you know, when you don't really understand whether it is touching or reaching anyone at all which is okay i guess some people are very happy uh, living like that where they're not really affected by uh, how it is touching others as long as inwardly they're happy for me i like the light and sound and i like the the fanfare i like the fact that there is a popularity i like the fact that you are commercially viable i like the fact that you have show bookings through the year i think some of these are uh, beyond just being an artist there are more things that you need to do to make sure that uh, uh, probably uh, doing some degree of self propagation some degree of marketing uh, some degree of being at the right place at the right time say, saying the right things finding the right space all this i learned not by being an artist i learned them by being a business person an engineer somebody who's from the logical side of the world as opposed to the creative side of the world yeah i guess a lot of people forget as well about the music industry being a business and and not a lot of artists you're you're kind of lucky because you have that logical side to you but not a lot of artists have that and perhaps that's when you need someone like a manager who can help guide you whereas i guess you have that ability to do that yourself a little bit more because of that part of your personality absolutely and i think i'm grateful because uh, it's a like you rightly mentioned it's a tough industry like you know it has mm-hmm. got the workings of the industry is way more than the ability to produce good art i think it is 
it, it goes a, a lot beyond that. So understanding that a little bit helps you. At least that's been my learning. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. All right, the quick fire round. Tea or coffee? Uh, tea. Music or lyrics? Music. Cats or dogs? Both, actually, but if I had to pick one, cats. Creativity or logic? Creativity. <laughs> plane or train? A plane. Beer or wine? Wine. Sweet treats or savory snacks? It depends upon... Um, no, sweet. Okay. Sweet. <laughs> City or countryside? Countryside. Matching or odd socks? Uh, odd socks. Guitar or piano? Piano. Friday night in or Friday night out? Uh, Friday night in. Modern or vintage? Uh, vintage in a few and modern in a few. <laughs> cool. Black and white or technicolor? Black and white. Moose or mouse? <laughs> Moose. <laughs> hey, this is the part of the podcast where I give you a fun fact about our guest. Harish and his band Agam combine prog rock and Carnatic music in their own musical style. And most of us in the West are familiar with the bands that define the prog rock genre, such as Pink Floyd and Dream Theater. But what is Carnatic music? It is one of two main subgenres of Indian classical music and is primarily based in the south of India. The other subgenre is called Hindustani and it has emerged as distinctly different because of Islamic and Persian influences in northern India. The main influence on Carnatic music is singing. Even the instruments are meant to be played in a sung style. And the difference from Hindustani music is that it is based around composition, although it does have a lot of scope for improvisation. What I find particularly beautiful about Carnatic music is that every time it's performed, it's different. And it combines the vision of the composer as well as the interpretation of the artist through improvisation. Do you believe more in fate or do you believe more in choice? I can only be anecdotal about luck. So if I have to be anecdotal about it, I would accept that, yes, there is something called luck because I have probably experienced instances that I would call manifestation of luck. But I do believe that more than luck, it's about applying your mind, understanding what your strengths and weaknesses are and where does your art fit in, uh, that has through the years helped me to kind of time myself. It has taken me 14 years. I've been singing from 2003, not even 14, like 16 years is what it has taken me to actually break into mainstream. Like I probably went mainstream in India, like if I can claim so, uh, is uh, probably is in 2017, 18. It took me that long and I have been doing the same thing relentlessly over and over. I have probably gotten better, but I'm doing the same thing for all this while. So I think it's about 
sticking around there, hanging in there, understand that there's going to be a space that's going to open out at some point in time. So you get in there and make yourself heard. And then you do a good job and then you're heard. That's that's how I see my luck manifesting. But I am a believer in sticking around, hanging in there and making sure that you're doing the right set of things and not egoistically doing things that you think are right. This is a subtle difference. A lot of people get mm. stuck in doing things that they believe is right. Uh, but if, if it is not making sense to most of the people around you, then you have to recalibrate. I'm from that camp. So mm. if, if what you're doing isn't really resonating, then probably you need to look inwards. Uh, you can't always say that everybody around me is stupid and I'm doing everything right and it's your problem. You don't get what I'm doing. Uh, in a very intrinsically capitalist free market society, it's a very hard position to take. What has been your biggest challenge on your journey? Self-doubt. I have always hoped for getting to a place where I really think I deserve to be a lot earlier in my life. But that's not how that's not the nature of the beast. That's not how this works. So uh, when you believe that you have done your best and you've done really great, then you realize that the song you wrote is not working at all. Uh, you just don't understand what went wrong. Like you, know, you keep asking this question to yourself. I do think this is a great piece of music I wrote. Like you know, everything in you tells you that this rendition was fantastic or this this piece of music that I wrote is fantastic, but it simply doesn't seem to work. And now it manifests in two different ways. Like, why is this not working? Am I wrong about myself? Is this whole notion of myself that what I created is actually a good piece of music? This self-doubt sort of uh, pushes you significantly behind in time. It happened to me a lot of times. So at some point I was thinking, maybe I am the only one thinking that what I'm doing is meaningful. It has happened to me a lot of times. Like one part of me would say that this is great. I think this is promising. This is fantastic. And then nobody really cares that you played it to. And then you start thinking, but nobody cared. Is it like really that good or is it like the people didn't get it so this self-doubt has sent me back in time a lot of times through my time to uh to come out as a musician and get my music heard and i was also impatient i think most of the musicians i know are also impatient because they do see that some people succeed pretty quickly like overnight fame is a real thing you could just come in today put up a song on YouTube and it's viral and you have a billion views and you're a star. So it does happen to some people that they just come in and, and then they become the next best thing. But nine out of 10 people, it takes a lot longer. So uh, having that patience built into me that I have to stick around, I have to probably keep pushing, keep trying till the point that you get your one chance or you get that one seat on the table to go and do your thing. It's something which I learned. It has been a challenge. It's been a learning. Uh, I am far more grateful and patient right now, Beth. I think uh, my gratitude is significantly higher than my discomfort of not having reached where I wanted to earlier. How do you balance the difference between being confident in what you're putting out and um, making sure that you are or on the right path, you're putting out something that is going to be viable, I suppose. Thanks for asking. I think it's a, it's an important question. I'm super grateful that you asked it because a lot of musicians, uh, I, I believe, should be asked this question because it will help them think deeply about the art that they're creating. Uh, I don't know if I know the answer. I, I only can speak about how I'm going about it. So I keenly observe people because I like it. 
uh, not because I have uh, an ulterior intent of wanting to look at people and manipulate them. That's not what I'm trying to say. But I do like to observe very large sections of the society that are coming together to listen to any form of art. It's possible that you understand a certain pattern in the way that perceive the art, perceive a person. So many a time, like, you know, they also have to like the artist, not just the art, especially in live music. In a recorded format, it's okay because there's no personality. Your art is being played off a headphone and if it's beautiful, you're good. But as a live musician, uh, I have learned that the people got to like you as an individual and, and what do you stand for? What do you come across as and how do you speak and how do you conduct yourself? Like, uh, and every human is different. Some people can completely be snobbish and, and still get away with it because that's their personality. People accept that. Some people are far more understated in terms of how they are. So who you are matters. So for me, viability is a function of you as an individual as well as your art. You cannot separate that from each other. So you can't be a person that acts like he doesn't care and still produce great music and still expect people to come after you when your natural personality or reaction is like, okay, here is some music. It's up to you guys to like it or not. I'm just going to do my stuff. It's okay. Some people can can get away with that because their stuff is that good. But most of us are creating music, which are hits and misses. Like, you know, you do 10 pieces of work, five of them are going to work, five of them are not going to work. So your job is to make at least seven of them to work at least to some degree so that you stay viable. Like you can't be a guy that makes one hit every two years and still expect to have shows throughout the year. So you have to understand the pulse of who you are presenting this art to. And if you don't understand them deeply, uh, then it becomes a very self-fulfilling pursuit. No harm in it. But if you have chosen the route of being only self-fulfilling with your art, then you can't really complain that it is not getting mainstream success. So you have to uh, you have to understand that mainstream success is also a function of, like you very eloquently point out, it's a function of viability. I, as an individual, am happy if my audience is happy. If somebody's play, paying me $20 to come and watch my show, I want him to go back entertained. Uh, for me, that's pretty critical. So if I'm not putting out stuff there that he considers innately valuable, then I'm not very successful so that's that's my position i guess a lot of artists don't think so much about their audience a lot of artists will get quite wound up in making a music for themselves which there there is a place for that but also at the end of the day it's it is there for other people more than the money i guess people give you time mm. and and that's like really valuable because in today's time like I could just be Netflixing and not go to a concert it's like super comfortable sitting at my couch and probably eating comfort food and, and watch like a really nicely produced show but I decided to take myself out drive through the traffic go into a venue stand and sweat it's there has to be purpose for that so if I'm not uh, I'm not valuing that purpose that somebody is doing then it's a little hard in my opinion so I have that position what has been your greatest accomplishment so far? I feel happy about some things that I've been able to do. Let me put it that way rather than uh, masquerading it as a huge accomplishment because it then becomes, uh, uh, inwardly it becomes problematic for me that I'll have to then reevaluate whether it really is. Uh, in India, uh, specifically in the south of the country, it's really hard to break into any form of mainstream without being present in the movie industry. 
So uh, here the movie industry sort of takes 80% of the space and the remaining 20% that you have is occupied by classical music, folk music, non-film music, band music, rock, metal, rap, R&B, uh, EDM. The pie is so small that 80% of the pie is occupied by the might of the film industry. All of you are aware of Bollywood, but what's not very clear is that India has several other very powerful movie industries like South India has a very different movie industry, which is not Bollywood, which is probably equally as popular because our languages are different and our ethos and culture is very different from what Bollywood sort of stands for. So um, the biggest joy I have is that I am a rank outsider uh, in the South Indian music industry. I have zero presence in the film industry. I'm an independent musician, always functioned like that. I'm not backed by a label. All my releases, all my band's releases have been all independent. We have not really been supported by uh, any large brand until now, but we ended up being one of the the more respected uh, independent acts from the country, uh, and uh, we ended up being uh, MTV's Artist of the Year for 2013. We were on Coke Studio. Uh, we pretty much went to places where typically uh, musicians with some sort of industry backing would have better chances of success at. So we have been able to go to places purely on the merit of sticking to our narrative, creating honest music and, and of course, a shot of luck here and there and a shot of good timing here and there. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. If you could wake up tomorrow having gained one quality or ability, what would it be? I have two wishes. One is that I could have better hearing. I have compromised hearing on one ear, which is predominantly because the time that I spent with uh, pretty loud instruments. So my left ear doesn't work as good as it should, but I think it's still holding up because I took appropriate care at the right point to make sure that it was not deteriorating. But I really would like my hearing to go back to what it used to be. It's not a new power, but it's a power that I lost. So uh, the other superpower I want is to have great pitching no matter what. I understand that like, one. <laughs> Leave the other one. I could really, I could really have this one. I think I can, I can handle with the hearing. I think if, if somebody <laughs> gave this, I would take it totally. So you seem like someone who likes to introspect quite a lot. How important has that been for your life and your music and your career? Good and bad. I think uh, introspection helps you to not make the same mistake twice, I guess. So uh, you make a new mistake every day, which is okay, I guess. But you don't do the, the same thing. Uh, again, because you're deeply introspecting what you did and, and what's probably right and what probably is not. But introspection also reduces your canvas because you're only thinking on the merit of what is empirically available, what has already happened in your life, which kind of sometimes makes you uh, not aware of what stands in front of you or what lies ahead of you because you are always thinking how some of this would apply to your prayer uh, experiences. So sometimes being too introspective, I believe has made me conservative, which is not a great feeling because uh, every time you want to do something, but then something in you tells me that, oh, look, Harish, you may not want to do that because the last time you did something similar, uh, XYZ, ABC happened. So um, it, it works both ways. So what I've realized is to let go after introspecting. Uh, earlier, I used to hold on to them a lot. Uh, the introspection used to control my actions for the future pretty heavily. I think I've stopped that. I introspect and I'm slowly learning to let go. Like, okay, I'm aware of that. 
I'm going to try this. So that is slowly allowing me to break out into zones that I've not been before without being held hostage by my own thoughts of what could go wrong. And our final question, if you had one piece of advice for people who want to enter the music industry, what would it be? The first thing that I would say, like probably the, it's, it's, a, it's a largely unpopular opinion. I'll start with that. So the first thing to know when you're entering the music industry is to acknowledge and recognize that it is an industry and industries have rules of industries. Industries work uh, on simple principles of commercial and non-commercial viability. So basically anybody who is entering need to understand that it's not charity. Uh, it is not a corporate social responsibility cause that somebody is putting up together for you that you can come and present your art. It is an industry that has been created with the intent of making money for all parties. Uh, so uh, the understanding that it is an industry driven by profit and loss is a great start point for artists if they choose to enter the industry. You can always remain an underground musician. That's fine. Then you are not in the industry. You're happy with whatever little you have. and and But you're entering the industry. I think it's important to know that it is similar to any other industry in the world where uh, rules of economics apply, profit and loss criteria apply, and viability applies. That's the, the first thing I want to say. It's a very unbecoming statement for an artist to say as their opening line, but I'm choosing to say that because that's been my learning. The other aspect is to stay sincere, uh, stay honest to your pursuit, uh, and uh, try not to be like anybody else. Or try not to emulate somebody else's success because their success came from a whole set of different metrics, whole set of different heuristics that person applied uh, to get to where he is. And his journey is different from your journey. Her journey is different from your journey. So no two journeys are alike. So stay focused on your journey and, and take the paths that will take you to your destination uh, uh, most appropriate to you. Try not to take... Uh, journey paths that somebody else took because it turned out to be successful for them. So sticking to your narrative is very important. Uh, third one is I mentioned, stay patient, stay focused. It may happen today, it might happen five years later. But if you're going to stick around and try, it's going to happen. At some point in time, it's going to happen. It's about how long you can hang around and, and stay positive. Uh, I myself said it's hard, but you got to do that. The last one is whatever it is, be honest to your art. Even if you're creating it for your audience, be honest to that pursuit. Just because there's a commercial intent behind it, don't become like a factory. Like, you know, that would be terrible. Then you stop being an artist. Like, don't, don't create an assembly line of tunes just because uh, there are going to be takers for what you're doing today. That's not going to last you. So uh, that's it, man. I guess, uh, like, you know, everybody has their small little journey that they have to embark upon and, and face the challenges and eventually I guess everybody will get there. It's only a question about when and how much and at what point in time. So, yeah. Fantastic. Thank you so much for chatting Likewise. to me today. Absolute yes. pleasure. Thank you so much. Wow. Big thanks to Harish. If you want to check out Agam's music, I totally suggest it. It's absolutely beautiful. And you can find that on YouTube and Spotify. 
Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review on your podcast app of choice. It really helps us share these podcast episodes with more people. If you'd like to support the podcast or get early access to episodes, head over to our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Beth Roars. And if you'd like to send us some feedback, please do at goodjob at bethroars.com. Once again, massive thanks to Harish, to James and Kazra at One Fine Play for the initial edits, to Tom Court, my co-producer, for working so hard on these, and to you guys for listening. See you in the next one. Bye. Good job. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.